Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host, Al McDonald. Al, winter's here. How are you doing so far? I'm doing all well, and you're right. Winter is upon us. It always seems there should be a time of year when things slow down a little bit and you get a little bit of a break, but it, it never seems that way. It's, it's just busy, busy, busy. So maybe one of these days we'll get a little bit of time off, but just for now, it seems to be go, go, go. I was chatting with someone recently and they said, oh, you know, what's your busy season in your business? I go, today. Yeah. And, and tomorrow and the next every day. day. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems every day is a busy day. Well, I'm super excited. For one, it's Podcast Friday, which is obviously my favorite day of any week or any month. But I'm particularly excited today because our guest today, I had reached out to quite a while ago and very, very busy person, very busy schedule, sought after for speaking engagements, uh, so on and so forth. It took a while, but she's joining us today and I couldn't be more excited to have this conversation. So without further ado, today's guest is Christine Song, who is the Chief People Officer at Nix and the founder of Topscale HR, which is a boutique HR consulting firm. Her areas of expertise and passion are in change management, organizational scalability, and leadership development. Christine has over 16 years of progressive HR and operations experience working in diverse industries from large corporate environments to smaller early stage tech startups, where she spent the last eight years as an HR executive working with leadership teams to implement effective people strategies. As a talent and people leader, Christine creates impact with her passion, discipline, and raw tenacity to deliver results in a very unconventional way, rather than leaning towards traditional best practices. Christine focuses on customizing programs for businesses based on their needs and what stage their company is moving towards. Whether a company is focused on early stage, scale up, or requires a complete transformation, Christine always delivers. Outside of her time recruiting and developing people, she is also an advisory board member for a board who's actually been on the podcast. We love them. Chief growth advisor for Hired Hippo, as well as co-organizer for the Disrupt HR Vaughn chapter. Wow, you're doing a lot. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, Robin and Al. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. I know you're such a busy person. I've gotten to know you a little bit over, over the last little while. We've had some conversations, and of course, I follow all your posts. If you're not following Christine on LinkedIn, you are missing out because incredibly insightful posts. I, I know that you get so much engagement, and I always enjoy those, and I try to contribute where I can. But I'm really curious now that we get to put away our iPhones and shut off our emails. And now we have, we can sit down and focus on a conversation. I'd love to hear your background about your career journey, how you got into this world. I mean, I know you're heavily involved in tech. Like, how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for HR folks, there's always the question of, did you intentionally know you were going to go into HR or did you fall into it? And I'm of the latter. I fell into it. 
for a long time, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to do something that I really enjoyed. While I was trying to figure that out in my early 20s, I fell into HR because there was an opening and happened to work next to the HR team at the organization that I was at. That was at Law Blah a long time ago. And they basically asked me to help them out once in a while. And at the end, they said, you know what, there's an opening, like you would be perfect for the role. So first, I didn't know what HR entailed. I wasn't sure if I was interested or if I would be good at it. And it's funny because they got me into recruitment first and they said, you know, we'll show you how to do it. We'll teach you the ropes and we'll train you. And that was something that I actually enjoyed a lot. It was getting to know people, understanding their skill sets, having open conversations with them and placing them in the right seats. And I think there was always a passion about people that I had where I wanted to know about their lives, know about what makes them tick. And I think that's especially important because even for myself, I've never really seen a job as something that you have to toil through and it's a necessary evil, but I've always seen it as something that you could truly enjoy if you're in the right role. And I know it sounds cheesy, but like I genuinely enjoy the work that I do. I don't see it as work. I don't see it as something that you regret on Sunday nights and you're getting the Sunday scaries. I think it really has to do with finding the right jobs and being in the right industry. And so for me, I think HR was just a really great fit. And so that's how I fell into HR. It's funny that you mentioned about doing something you enjoy and you don't get the Sunday scaries because it's actually something you look forward to. And we were chatting about that as partners this morning. And maybe I'll just pose the question to you. Why do you get up and go to work in the morning? Like, assume nothing is in your way. Like, what's the part you enjoy most? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? I think it's because there's fundamentals of HR. There's pillars of HR. You know, there's certain skill sets you need to learn. But really, essentially, it's about understanding people, understanding what makes them tick, building the right program so that they can really lean into those great engagement activities that they want to do. And I think sometimes HR gets a bad rap. People think that they're all about hiring, firing, discipline, performance management. It's so much more than that. I think we've seen it during COVID when people chose to go through the great resignation and they're looking for a role that really speaks to their heart. This is what it's all about. Life really is short. And if you really want to live the best life that you can possibly live, you're going to find the job that suits you the most because you spend so much time working. We spend hours working. We see our colleagues and bosses more than we see our family and friends. And so you've got to make that connection. And I think this is why there's such a great need for HR professionals right now, post COVID, when the world really took a shift and we're trying to understand how to engage people and get them to bring their best foot forward. You hit a couple of things there that I can relate to. Christine. So I'm reading a book. Robin will know that I've suddenly become a voracious reader, something I didn't used to do. I've actually got two books on the go right now. One is called Design Your Life or Designing Your Life, something like that. I don't know if you've read that, but they talk. And it's interesting because we've had a number of other HR professionals on who have said the same thing as you. I fell into the role, not something that I was planning on. I fell into the role, but I love it. This is what I have, you know, what my calling is. Anyway, get back to the book. They talk about finding your passion. And one of the things they say is, you can't know what you're passionate about when you're 20 years old or in college or university or 25 years starting out. Their whole approach is try a few things, try a few things out. And that's the best way to find your passion. There's no way you can just know. So I found it interesting that you said that. And again, we've had a number of HR people who have said the exact same thing that just kind of fell into it. That is so um, true. I love that. I'm going to have to read that book. 
<laughs> yeah, it's either designing your life or design your life. Yeah, Let me write that down. <laughs> I can give you the author. Anyway, I've just started it. It's pretty interesting so far. But I have another couple questions. So I have to ask, tell me about the raw tenacity. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good question. I think it all has to do with the work that you do in HR. And I'm going to say it. It's the truth. HR is not easy. Sometimes I hear about people saying, I wanted to get into HR because I'm a people person and I love people. And that's great. But the work that you do in HR is really, really hard. And you have to have that tenacity. You have to be resilient. You have to have a strong level of empathy while understanding how to share a message that's really, really difficult. And most times we're working in businesses that need to generate revenue and they we need high performers in the organization. But we're going through a shift right now where people are bringing their authentic selves to work and they're sharing about their mental health issues and struggles at home. And there has to be a balance of how we work with people and still hit our business objectives. And so having that tenacity, doing the hard things, sending hard messages, providing empathy, supporting leaders, you need a lot of tenacity to be able to do all of those hard things. And so I always say, HR is not for the faint of heart. You do have to roll up your sleeves and have a really strong resilience to be able to do hard things. So that's kind of where it comes from. After 16 years, I've kind of built that up in a really good way, in a positive way. I want to take a bit of a shift because I know you work with a lot of startups, for so a lot of entrepreneurs, and you've helped a lot of companies scale. I posted this morning a quote that I liked because I kind of thought about myself and I thought about the question because I've asked it a lot on the podcast, but the quote was, entrepreneurship requires a healthy dose of delusion. And the question that we often ask is, you know, looking back, and maybe you can speak to this from two fronts. I mean, one from your own career and two as an entrepreneur or, or the entrepreneurs that you work with. Is there anything that you wish you had known when you first started out? I think as a society, we look so much on data and analytics and everything has to be quantified. But I truly believe that intuition plays a huge part in being a successful leader. And that's because if you really think about it, intuition is built from all the experiences that you've gained. It's the mistakes that you made or all the right decisions that you made that built this intuition. And so it's this fuzzy thing that kind of lives inside of our head, but for those people who have done all the hard things and have made these difficult decisions and had to make a call when they didn't have a lot of information, this builds up your intuition. And so I wish if I was younger, someone had told me, build it up, trust your gut. It's not always a bad thing to trust your gut. Even they say in recruitment, you've got to ask the right questions and it's got to be behavioral based and situational based. And I get all of that. I do that. But there is something to be said about the intuition piece as well, about that feeling you get when you're talking to somebody. I see it all the time, even in management meetings, sometimes I'll see eyes darting left and right. And I know they want to say something, but they're afraid and you got to kind of get them to speak up. And how can you do that? It's all part of that intuition. And I think we don't give it enough credit as we should. Your answer resonates with me so much because I've lived that experience as well. There are things that took me a year or two to get to. And now I look back and I wish, why didn't I, you know, just trust my gut in the beginning? And it finally, one of those decisions, Al actually pushed me and he said, hey, what's to lose here? There's nothing to lose. And when I finally got over that hump, I said, yeah, you're right. I mean, things have just grown so much more. And I'm like, darn it, I wish I had done that two years sooner. So I really, I really resonate with that. I'm sure a lot of other people will too. <laughs> so great. I think we we all get that feeling every once in a while, but I think we need to talk about it a little bit more. It's that human side that we kind of forget about when we're at work. 
I do want to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to chat after this. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I've got some questions for you, but I have another question for you. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you mentioned, you talked about tenacity. You talked about, you know, all the challenges that people are um, facing right now and, and in your line of work and, you know, people are a lot more open and I'm sure that you've seen many things and have people come to talk to you about many, many things that they're facing, but what about you? Are there some obstacles that you've faced that you can share with us and and maybe how you overcame them? Yeah, for sure. I think one obstacle that I think a lot of young people face is having confidence, having confidence and knowing what you can bring to the table. And to be honest with you, when I was younger, starting out in HR, I kind of looked at what do HR leaders look like? What do they have to be really good at? And I grew up in a very corporate type of environment. I started off working at publicly traded companies and global matrix organizations, and it was a very formal environment. And HR leaders typically had a certain persona. They were very professional. They didn't wear their heart on their sleeve. They weren't very humane. They were very mechanical the way I viewed them. They sat in offices and their doors were always shut. And they did these mysterious things behind closed doors. And It was kind of a scary thing when you think about walking into an HR office and having that conversation with this mysterious HR leader that sits in that corner office. It was this scary thing. And I thought, wow, is that what I have to do to get up to that ladder? Do I have to be that formal, scary leader that sits in an office and then I'll be calling people into my office of doom? And I kind of felt like I needed to just bring my authentic self to organizations. I really felt that even having gone through a lot of years going through interviews and meeting people and talking to them, there is a way to open people up. There's a way to have conversations. There's a way to learn about things. And it doesn't have to be in this professional suit that you wear. You've got to really get to know the people that work in organizations at all levels. When I join new companies, I don't just talk to people at the executive level, but I want to get to know the people that are on ground zero, the ones that are rolling up their sleeves and doing their work. And I want to hear about some of the problems that are occurring. What do we need to change? How do we need to do things? What can we do to make it better here? And I realized that you could have more wins and be able to make a bigger impact by understanding people and leaning in that way than to be this very formal figure that sits behind a desk. And I think that the world has shifted a bit. I think people do understand that HR can bring a lot more to the table. It's not just hiring, firing anymore, but they do a lot of these other things that Now I feel organizations lean into more. There's more talk about providing mental health services. There's DEI initiatives. There's ERG groups that allow people to feel like there's a sense of belonging. There's so much more humanity infused into organizations. And it's a different world from where I grew up 20 years ago to now. And so I think it's a better world. I think we're progressing in a much more positive way. It's funny that you talk about the old world because I came from previous to doing this in the corporate world, if you will. And yeah, you're right. If you're going to HR, it was either really good news or really bad news. You weren't going there to have a casual chat and find out about how your day was going. (laughs) Sadly. (laughs) No. And again, that is a message we have heard a few times from other professionals in your line of work as well, that for the better, things Mm -hmm. have changed since those days. So I think we're all better off for that. That's so good. (laughs) We're moving in the right direction. Exactly. 
Well, you know, I was going to jump into a question about, because I was thinking about this for, for us and, and the conversation that I had with Al this morning and, and where we're going as a, as a company. And I was going to ask you about how your priorities have changed over the years, but I'm wondering if that might lead into a little bit of Al's signature question. So maybe we'll dig into that first and then we can tie in about your priorities and, and how they've changed because ours have certainly changed over the years, what we're trying to accomplish and what we were trying to give back as a result of the business that we're building. So if Christine, if you're up for it, Al has a signature question we'd love to ask you. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, here it goes. So there's a saying that a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, I love that. I think that when I think about the proverbial trees that I'm planting, I try to think about the problems that we're seeing in the world right now. And because I work with a lot of leaders, there is a sense that there's not enough support given to leaders. There's not enough space for them to share their greatest woes, for them to share what's on their mind, what's keeping them up at night their insecurities. And there is a lot of expectations that leaders are expected to kind of bring to the table. There's a sense of not just being good at your role, but being a great leader, having the strong skill sets that are both hard and soft skill based, but also working with a very complicated kind of shift into this world where people bring their authentic selves, but that also brings politics and their beliefs and a lot of pain that's kind of built up through their lives. And so we're kind of going through this period where managers are expected to manage all of that. There's no school of management that you graduate from where you're kind of dealing with some of these world issues and you can't walk in there knowing it all, but there's a high expectation. And I see a lot of managers suffering. And so kind of what I want to build up into the future is a leadership support group I want to build a group where we can come together, share experiences in a trusted environment and provide some support and services for these people through a grassroots community. I think there are a lot of like management executive groups out there that are membership based and they allow you to grow into this leader that we all kind of look up to. But there isn't a space for that authentic kind of confidential circle where we can talk about some of the harder things that's not written in books or not written in LinkedIn posts. And I think going back to some of the LinkedIn posts that I've posted, I think about the ones that attracted the most attention, the ones that people just literally jumped on and it blew up the next day are the ones where I'm talking about the hard things, talking about diversity in workplaces, talking about how women don't support other women leaders. Like these are things that people don't generally talk about. And every time I post something like that, people will reach out to me and go, oh my God, I can't believe you posted that. That seems so like controversial. Did you get stoned to death? Did people send you all these rotten notes? And and I always say, no, surprisingly not. People were very open to it and say, wow, someone finally said it. I can exhale. And that kind of tells me that there are these unspoken truths that's going on with managers and, and generally people who are talking about these difficult things and they have nowhere to kind of discuss them in a, in a way that's confidential and supportive. And so I would love to build a support group like that for leaders. I think that a lot of leaders don't get the kind of support that they need. And that will be something that can help all of us to become better leaders into the future. Can you count me in? Of course, both of you come on in. <laughs> it's so true though, because LinkedIn, I mean, it's getting better now, but for a long time it was, hey, share an article, 
as an entrepreneur founder, tell about how great it is. And, and no one would share the downside in the, in the days. I remember Christine going home to my spouse or, you know, driving home and I'm ready to pull my hair out. And I'm thinking, what on earth did I do? And there was not just one week of that. There were several weeks of that. And you're sitting there wondering. So I think when someone like yourself is willing to be vulnerable and put out what a lot of people are thinking anyway, but they're just, you know, they're not maybe brave enough or ready to put that on LinkedIn. That's why people are drawn to you and drawn to those types of conversations because you do get that great engagement. So I was not disappointed by that answer. So that was really good. Well, that's an awesome spot to wrap it up. I'm sure you'll uh, join us again, or at least I hope you will. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at your firm? Yeah, the best way would be reach out to me through LinkedIn. You can look me up there. You'll find me pretty easily. And, you know, I'll accept your connection because I love to build a community together and maybe I'll learn something from you as well. Okay, awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And remember, success leaves clues, my friends.